Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness, and Lord, we thank you that you've brought us safely here today. Lord, uh, please give us grace at this time to hear you and to respond to you, for our heart's desire is to see you exalted in our lives, Jesus. So please minister now that we may be drawn closer into friendship with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please be seated. I had a kind of a cool experience on uh, on uh, Friday morning. Uh, Sally Dib- Sadie Dibble came in to rehearse with with Ross for the for the funeral yesterday, and she came up to me and she said, "Reverend Ranson." I said, "Yes," and she said, uh, "You've aged so well." <laughs> and I said, "Thank you," and uh, I said, "I don't think so, but thank you." And she said, oh, do you remember the wonderful times we had at Camp Medley? I was like, um, what times were they? She was, oh, you know, I was the assistant cook and and, uh, you were the director. I said, no, no, my dad was the director. (laughs) And uh, I said, just so you know, my dad has a beard now. He kind of looks like an Old Testament prophet. And... uh, Anyway, we had a good laugh over that. Um, we had a wonderful celebration yesterday for uh, Mary Lee's life, and she was such a gift to us and to so many uh, churches throughout the years. And um, uh, just so you know, the flowers that are, are here um, were at the, the funeral yesterday, and, and uh, Bruce and, and, and Catherine offered them for the beautification of our, of our worship space today. So we are thankful for that, too. Usually when I uh, get ready for a sermon, I I start off, even on Sunday, looking over the readings for the next week. Because what I find is that when we are reading scripture, the spirit is working. So I start reading scripture like on Sunday, sometimes before even the 1030 service. And then things happen through the week. And they they sort of, oh, we should be focusing here this week and, and things like that. That didn't happen this week. Because usually by, you know, Tuesday, I'm like, okay, God wants me to focus on this passage. Well, Tuesday came and went. And then Wednesday came and went. And nothing happened. And the more I looked at these passages, I'm like, what is God trying to say to us this week? The more it's like, they're all good. So today, unfortunately, and if you're visiting with us today, you're getting the full meal deal. The sermon's going to be three hours long. (laughs) Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm going to need a stool. Um, no, today I, I really believe that as, as we are looking at the, the readings today, it just seems what is authentic Christian spirituality? What does it consist of? And I think that each of the readings today actually say a different thing about what it means to be in relationship with God in such a way that we don't just go through our lives like every day just doing the old same thing, but we actually have a fulfilled life, an abundant life in which God is using us and directing us to be light and salt in a world that is often flavorless and dim. We have a mission. We have a purpose. And so I'd like to look at what, what is authentic Christian spirituality in a day like this where many of us are feeling very discouraged. Uh, and many of us are struggling. 
Amen. I mean, when we look at the life of our church alone, and there's been so much grief in the past few years, so many funerals, how do we carry on in hope and joy when we're, we have heavy hearts? So let's take a look at the readings today, and uh, we'll, we'll glean. I'm not going to go in for three hours. Keep me accountable to that. And, and, uh, and we'll just carry on. But first thing uh, we come to is Isaiah 58. And, and right off the get-go, the, the Lord tells the prophet to say, Hey, my people, you're a mess. You are wayward in your ways, and you need to change. So where do we start with authentic spirituality? We don't have to have it all together. In fact, we can't have it all together. So we begin with our spirituality recognizing that we're a mess. And the reason why the prophet is told to call attention and boldly proclaim that your hearts are far from me is because we need his outstretched hand to draw us in to that kind of relationship. The beautiful thing about the Christian faith is that we don't have it all together and that Jesus came for the weak and the discouraged and the broken and in order to draw us into healing relationship with himself. Um, one of the problems with, with uh, the, the people of Israel was that they, they thought they had all the components to a vibrant faith. They had the religious components. How do you fast? Well, you stop eating, you throw on some sackcloth, you know, what you pack your potatoes in, and then you dump some ashes on your head. Easy peasy. Right? And they would do this, and they were like, why isn't God listening to our prayer? He said, what is your motivation for doing the outward signs of fasting when that's not where my heart is? I don't want you to look like you're fasting or penitent. I want you to lead lives that actually are pursuing my heart. That's what fasting is. It's not, okay, if I do this intermittent fasting thing, I'm going to lose weight fast. That is the wrong motivation for fasting. Right? I am doing a, a lectionary reading with um, a friend of mine, Rob Saloon. We're, we're reading through the Bible this year. We, we're holding each other accountable to read through the whole Bible in, in one year. And when we first started in January 1st, it was like, oh, this is so great. Time alone with the Lord, reading scripture, making our way through Genesis. Mm, good. Then I went to Florida. And I'm like, hold on. We gotta, I just got to get through these readings real quick. And because... In Jeremiah 79, it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Well, thankfully, God does. And he looks upon us uh, with deep concern and living compassion and pointing out our need for a course correction. Where do we begin in our spirituality? From a place of need. And God is the one who can provide for our need. The invitation to a proper fast from Isaiah is this, to loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke and to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. It is to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. And when you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, to provide for your family. That's fasting. Can I go without in order to benefit someone else? Is there a way to do that? And that is a proper fast. I was so troubled to hear in the news this week that there are like 70 people 
living in tents in the woods around Fredericton. That's not the people living on the streets and sleeping in the bank. That's people who are out in the woods and they have to travel in to find them to see if they're okay if they've made it through the night. Why are they out there? Mental health issues. They can't be in group shelters. Um, and they've been moved on from place to place to place. And I, I, don't, I don't know what the answer is. But I am wondering, and I, maybe we could all be wondering, is there a way that I could do without so that they could actually have what they need? Maybe we could wonder together. I don't know what the answer is. It's a wicked problem. But I know this. In their need, God loves them. And he loves us in our need. And we are invited to see what can we do to be a blessing to those around us. There is a promise here in Isaiah that I think that we need to cling to. When we fast in a proper way, when we seek the heart of God and, and deprive, even, even go without ourselves so that others might have what they need, the Lord will guide us. The Lord will satisfy our needs. The Lord will strengthen us and we will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And I love this. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You'll be called the repairer of broken walls, the restorer of streets and dwellings. Security, provision. C.S. Lewis wrote, heaven is not a carrot to bribe us. It's the consequence of godly action." So let's, let's pray that God will give us a heart that is true to him. We move on to um, Psalm 112. And uh, <laughs> if you're not careful with Psalm 12, it could see like if I do X, then God's going to do Y, right? If I just honor God, then he's going to give me money and good health, and he's going to give me provision for everything. And to follow Jesus does not guarantee that we're going to have an easy life. Just ask our persecuted brothers throughout the world. It's not easy, but it's fulfilled. It is fulfilled. So the question I have for us to consider today with Psalm 112 in mind is, if heaven and hell did not exist, would you still want to follow Jesus? Is your following Jesus more than what you get out of it? Because in the first verse, the psalm says, Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. I lose my joy when I stare at need, or I am consumed with people who disagree with me, who don't view the world the way I view it. If I'm consumed with that, instead of my delight in the ways of the Lord, and my eyes aren't being filled up with with the glory of Jesus, I can get distracted and discouraged pretty easily. And Psalm 112 is not about getting all you've ever wanted. <laughs> it's about actually staying locked in to that relationship with God who will give you new life. Um, yeah, sorry, I'm getting on a tangent. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've, if you've heard of the author uh, Tom Holland. He's a historian who was a Christian then became an atheist, and I think he's an agnostic now, so he's, he's, doing, he's going through a journey. But he, as an atheist, wrote papers saying that, that the world is better today because of the church, because of their faith in Jesus, because of the golden rule, and because of that caring for others in need. 
it's, it's actually improved living situation in our world. And that, that's coming from an atheist. That's pretty encouraging stuff. So, do we delight in the Lord full stop? In uh, 1 Corinthians, um, uh, we, we're looking at the spirit-empowered engagement. One of the problems I have when we talk about church growth or anything like that is that we often feel the burden on our shoulders that we're not doing enough, we're not, we're not being who we should be, we're not bold enough in our proclamation. I think I, I heard a stat recently that 80% of all Anglicans are introverts. So it's kind of hard to be on a soapbox preaching when you're an introvert. Trust me. Uh, when, uh, when, we try, when we try to be something we're not, it's just not authentic. But when we look at 1 Corinthians, we hear that Paul, when he showed up for this church for the first time, he was shaky. He wasn't impressive. He didn't have good speech. He was terrified. He was weak. And yet, the Holy Spirit showed up in power and did works of power and drew people into faith. And the church was born. Now, when I think that it's all up to me for people to come to faith or not, I get really pressured. I don't work well under pressure. But when I remember the Holy Spirit is, is present and is doing something, and all I need to do is hang out and show up and see what happens and like be responsive to what the Spirit is doing, there's a space to be creative. There's space to be playful and just to see what's going to happen. We are not in charge of the church. The church is the Lord's, and the Spirit is responsible for witnessing and empowering us to do the mission that we've been called to. So let's play and dance and be foolish and creative. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. I say dance, I hate dancing. But anyway, you did great. Uh, yeah, so let, let be, let's put the focus where, where it needs to be and we're just to show up and let the Holy Spirit work in the way that, we're, that, that he's going to work. The final thing is we've been called to be salt and light. I'm assuming that you believe that some guy 2,000 years ago rose from the dead. And that because of that, the world has changed. That's one of the weirdest things you can believe. And that's who we are. That's who we're called to be. We're called to be weird and to embrace that. Not to shy away from it when other people don't believe what we believe. But to say, this is who we are. This is what the basis of my faith is. I remember when I was in seminary, I was this close to losing my faith. Because every professor came in and they ripped the Bible to shreds and they, all the church history and everything was awful. And I was like, I think I'm going to leave. I think I'm done. And then uh, David Reed, who's a professor, came in and with one sentence, he got me back on track. He said, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, the church would not exist. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, the church would not exist because... Those disciples were terrified and were on the run. But then something happened. And if something happened that so drastically changed them into bold proclaimers of good news, 
so that they were willing and able and ready to die for it and not go back on it, that something that happened was the biggest thing in history. We believe this. We are called to to stand out in the world. Salt flavors things, but it also preserves things. We are called to be steadfast and distinct. But we're also called to bring light. Sometimes people don't like light because it exposes, and they get afraid, and, and they get angry. But we are called to let a little bit of light shine in the darkness. And it's amazing how one candle flame can brighten up a room that's filled with darkness. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. It says elsewhere in scripture, don't get weary of doing good works. What is authentic Christian spirituality? It starts with our need and brokenness and the good news that God reaches for us to draw us into relationship with him. We're a mess. But with God's help, we can become a holy one. We are to delight in God's vision for the world and to be filled with that and blessed by it. And trusting in his power and his provision, we are invited to participate in what God is doing. The burden is not ours to bear. It is the Lord's. So let's be free in the love he has given us and share it with others. And be unapologetically weird. Because the world needs weird. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have called us into relationship with you. And we pray, Lord, that in all that we say and all that we do, it would be filled with words of grace and wisdom that come from you. Please bless our church that we might bless the community around us. That we might bring light where there is darkness and that we might bring flavor to places that are so bland. You are the one with the words of life. And so, Lord, please draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name do we pray. Amen.